0: As so I mentioned uh, on Sunday, we have a guest speaker this morning, um, and I'm not going to steal much of his time. I uh, told him what we were talking about, and uh, he's got something to challenge us with this morning, but uh, we'll, we'll begin as we normally do. So, um, open to, uh, to Proverbs this morning, twenty-seven. Proverbs twenty-seven. It's the twenty-seventh, and I just found out last Sunday that it's it's leap year. And I was going through the thought there was an error on the on the announcements. Somebody said they were having, I think it was surgery on February the twenty-ninth. I thought, oh, uh-oh, yeah. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them. Wrath is fierce, anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. A sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may reply to him who reproaches me. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself, but the naive proceed and pay the penalty. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger, for an adulterous woman, hold him in pledge. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. A constant dripping on a rainy, or on a day of steady rain, and a contentious woman are alike. He who would restrain her restrains the wind and grasps oil in his right hand. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who cares for his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects man." Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of a man ever satisfied. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, but each is tested by the praise afforded him or accorded him. Though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass disappears, the new growth is seen, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will be for your clothing, and the goats will be the price of a field, and there will be goat's milk enough for your food, for the food of your household, and sustenance for your maidens. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We're thankful for these uh, general proverbs that that are just distilled wisdom, and we would pray that you would, um, you would help us to live by them, take something even from this morning and stick it in our minds as we go throughout the day, maybe come back to it later and study it more, a question that you raise, hey, what does that mean, and we would go back and, and read and seek your word. Thank you for the privilege to gather this morning. Thank you for um, Brother Tom and the word that he will bring. May you empower him to do that. May you teach us well this morning from your word. Um, Lord, we, we desire to seek you. We desire to come before you. We have no right or ability to do that apart from Christ, but in Christ we, we have every access. We are to come confidently before your throne reminding ourselves it is a throne you are the sovereign of the universe so we bow before you we we humbly acknowledge you are God and we are not but it it is a throne of grace grace is dispensed from this this throne mercy is dispensed from this this throne loving kindness goodness you are you're a compassionate and gracious God you're slow to anger you're forgiving God, we, we, we praise you for that. We wouldn't be able to come unless you had come to us, but you, you did. and because you first loved us, we, we love you and because we love you, we want to, we want to serve others. and we pray that you will help us do that today. May you glorify your Son um, in our midst and in our lives and, and uh, guard us from the evil one, guard us from the, the flesh. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I will transfer.
1: Good morning, man. Can you can you hear me well? Um, It is a great privilege for me to be able to bring the word to you this morning. If you'd open your Bible to one Corinthians chapter fifteen, I want to talk to you about being in resurrection mode. Some of you felt like you were resurrected this morning when your alarm went off, right? You were dead. And then a few moments later, you were uncomfortably alive. But there is coming a day when you'll be alive but no longer uncomfortable. (laughs) And I want to point you to that day. How would you spend the last 24 hours of your life if you knew that this was your last day? If you knew that tomorrow morning, at 6.21, you would pass into the presence of the Savior. What would you do for the next 24 hours, 23 hours, 59 minutes and 45 seconds? What, what, would, you, what would you do? It's, it's going, isn't it? Time is ticking away. And uh, that's a, a question that we should give attention to. I believe God would have us think about the resurrection. I want to direct your attention to this chapter. It's the largest chapter in, in 1 Corinthians. It's more more verses devoted to the resurrection than to any other subject in 1 Corinthians. And Paul in 1 Corinthians is dealing with a church in such a mess that... Uh, he has to correct them on a whole host of issues, but the, the biggest issue, you would say, that he devotes his attention to is the resurrection. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you now, but just to cast your eye over it, if you can, um, if you can look briefly at the, the first 34 verses, he, he reminds them of the centrality of the resurrection in the gospel that he preached to them. And then he's dealing in the first 34 verses with people in the church in Corinth, in the church in Corinth, who are denying the resurrection, the bodily resurrection that we have in front of us. You will die unless the Lord comes. You will go to the grave. Your body will be eaten by worms. And, but then you'll rise. Your body could be burned to ashes, but you will rise. There will be a physical body given to you by the Lord. And the people of Paul's day, just like the people of our day, mocked this idea. They thought it was ridiculous. They thought it was foolishness and and they associated physicality with, with, with things that were base and worthless and immoral even, evil somehow, and, and spiritual, disembodied reality as being the highest attainment. And so um, there were people even in the church who were rejecting the idea of a future bodily resurrection for every believer, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is correcting that, correcting their thinking. In verse 35, uh, which I'll read to you down to the end of the chapter, he gets to reasoning with them about, um, about this foolish rejection that they were having let me pick it up in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the, how are the dead raised? I mean, how ridiculous. How, how can dead people be raised? And their objection, with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. You sow seed in the ground, it dies, but it comes back to life. God can do that, says Paul. Verse 37, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Body can, uh, God can change something very basic, like a seed into an oak tree, <laughs> an acorn into an oak tree. God, God knows how to do that. There's no problem for God. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, verse 38, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. God can make all kinds of bodies. What's your problem with God giving us a resurrection body? God, God can give can make all kinds of bodies, can't he, to suit the environment. There are heavenly bodies, verse 40, and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another kind. God can even fit the glory of a body to its destiny that he's appointed for it. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. The star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, says Paul. You idiots. God can do this. God God has shown you he can do it. So what's your problem? What is sown is imperishable. That's our body. It is sown. We, we lay it in the ground. It's sown. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown um, in weakness. It is raised in power. I want to have a, I go to the gym sometimes, I want to have a t-shirt that says my next body is a Is a weightlifter. (laughs) Um, It is sown a natural body. It is raised, listen, it is raised a spiritual body. Is, Is that an oxymoron? Is that a contradiction? Spiritual. Body, we're going to have a body and it's going to be fitted for the spiritual realm. Wow, this is exciting, isn't it? Thus it is written the first man, Adam, old dusty, Uh, he became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit, talking about Christ. But it's not the spiritual that's first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. Adam came before Christ. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, dusty. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's us. And as is the man of heaven, so also, I I believe the right translation in context should be, will be, it says are in my ESV, so also are those who are of heaven. If you are of heaven, you, you will be like Jesus one day, and that's what he's saying. Verse 49, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Hallelujah. We're going we're to resemble Jesus. Jesus. And as MacArthur has famously, famously said so many times, some of you won't be recognizable. <laughs> I wonder which ones he was looking at when he said that. <laughs> I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't, by the way, you can't take that out of context and make that say that we're not going to have a resurrection body, that it's all going to be spiritual and we're going to be floating on clouds. In context, he's saying we are going to have a body, but he's saying this flesh and blood that we have now cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable body that we have now inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery... We can't exactly explain this, but, but this is revelation from God. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will shout, sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, is that good? (laughs) Is your soul thrilled at the thought that this is not it? All right, where do we go with that? What do you do with that today? How do we apply this reality of the resurrection in our day-to-day lives? You're going to go to work today. How would Paul apply it if he stood here today? I know because he says, therefore, in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help me now to unfold these words to my brothers and that you, O Lord, from heaven, you would pour out your blessing upon us and enable us to grasp the wonder of of the, the resurrection to come and the wonderful implications for that in our life today. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. This text, one Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, is what I'm going to preach to you now. Um, It tells us how to live out our lives in the light of the resurrection. I've called this resurrection mode. Do you have a Do you have a mode that you switch into in finals week? finals week mode. Um, that zone, your game face is on. You w- w- Wouldn't you love to have a switch somewhere? The way you could just kind of push that switch and work like that all the time. I mean, how much would you get done if you could work like that? I prayed many years ago that God would make me busy. Um, I have confessed and lamented and um, agonized over a tendency to be lazy, a tendency to be someone who lets time pass. Um, God answered my prayer exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. <laughs> um, uh, and I got busy but I'm I'm grateful because if I just have time and I don't have stuff that I have to do with it, I, I, I just find I look back and I say I well, waste, I wasted it. I don't. I have to have direction. I have to have external structures. So I recognize that in my in my uh, self and um, I just wish that I could use every moment. As I do use every moment, when time is running out, when, when, that, when the deadline is right there, maybe you work differently. Some of you are, 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 are much better organizers and planners, but you have that sweet spot, that, that place that you can get into when, where you are most productive and um, yeah, don't you wish you had a switch? George Whitfield uh, was very impactful upon me. He, when I read his biography, just looking at a man who lived every moment for God. Jonathan Edwards resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were my the last hour of my life. The last hour. How do we enter that mode? How do we get back there? when maybe your zeal has died? How do you resurrect your zeal for the Lord? Um, it's a. am going to say it, it, it's about entering resurrection mode. And how do you do that? Well, our text tells us. I'm just going to walk you through the text and give you the three R's of resurrection mode. If you're taking notes, um, three words to kind of get yourself to think about, to get yourself into Resurrection mode. Uh, the first is reality. The, f- the second is responsibility. The third is reward. I want you to think about these words: reality, responsibility, and reward. The reality you have to think. You actually have to think about the reality of the resurrection. The rea- it is real, and and I get that from the opening words. Therefore, my beloved brothers. Um, verses 1 to 57, tell us that the resurrection is real. And then Paul in 58 says, therefore, and that's pointing us back. It's so then, for those of you with Greek, hoste, adelphoimu. Hoste is introducing the logical inferences of everything which has just gone before. Uh, Actually, it's a familiar phrase. In Paul's writings in, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 33, uh, so then my brothers, he uses that to introduce the logical inferences, the practical application of what he's just been talking about, about their abuse of the Lord's table. And then in 14, uh, 39, so then my brothers, the exact same phrase, earnestly um, honestly desire to prophesy and so on point is that paul is in his in in his way pointing back to what he's gone before and he's introducing now the grand conclusion here it is um, and 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 uh, my my point is okay we actually do have to think back on everything that's just gone before the reality of the resurrection now the reality is painfully you don't right i mean If I had to say confession time, you don't. You go to work today, you go to work normally, and it's just work. You've just got jobs to do. Are you thinking about the resurrection? Now, if I I took you to the back of the room afterwards and said, look, brother, I hate to tell you, a little bit of a medical background, and uh, I've been looking at your uh, forehead whilst... I was preaching, and there's this, there's this cancer on your forehead, and did you know about this? It doesn't look like there's anything happening to it, and you got cancer, and uh, best best go and see your doc. You went to the doc instead of going to work, and he said, yeah, that's a malignant melanoma, and these lumpy glands in your armpit are not a good sign, uh, we need to get you to some tests, and... And by the end of the day, today, the doctor said to you, stage four, that's it. You said, but I feel well. I, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me. Well, every time you went to the mirror and you, 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 see, the, you see the cancer there, and, and you're like, it's real, I'm going to die. I need to think about this. I need to readjust my planning for the next few weeks that I may have left. Now, our, our situation is not like that. Our situation is a lot more positive, thankfully. It's more like you're about to get married. <laughs> the wedding's booked. Got to, you, if you're a girl, you've got a ring on your finger. Um, you, you, it, the day is coming. And you're in the office today, and your friends are talking about going on holiday, and and they're planning to go to Cancun. In is that Mexico? Uh, they they, they want to go to Cancun, and they're gonna. They're, they're, everyone's talking about going to Cancun, and you're just like, this is. Hang on a minute. I'm getting married. What am I? What am I thinking about? I'm not going on holiday. I'm going on honeymoon. <laughs> Somehow you've got to. You've got to get your mind off. The things that. Occupy your mind and think about the reality of what's ahead, and I think that's what Paul is is doing here for us. Is he's just driving you back to to the to the reality that we have to think about the reality of the resurrection, and there are people who deny it, there are people who mock it, and um, how do you do that? How do you how do you how do you practically? today, go about your day and f- focus on the fact of the f- that you're going to have a resurrection body one day, that you're going to meet the Lord one day. It could be soon. How do you do that? Well, our daily reading, actually, it, you're, you're opening the Bible that ought to do that for you. Because this is the message, not just of this passage, but it's the whole Bible, isn't it? I mean... The whole Bible lifts our eyes uh, to to focus upon things above and not upon earthly things. So can I ask you that awkward pastoral question? Does it? Do you read the Bible? Do you walk away and go, what was that? Is that what happens?" Well, maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to really read. Maybe you need to pray over the verses that you read and and um, as the the old puritans used to used to say get yourself into a frame of mind you're not you're not faking it you're not making it happen but you're not letting it not happen those are two different things aren't they you you don't have to you don't have to read the bible and just walk away and say it didn't happen oh, i guess i just go about my day as normal you can read the Bible and say, no, it's not happening. This is wrong. I have to have your blessing, Lord. Oh, God, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And I will not let you go until you bless me. Oh, God. You know, one thing that changed everything for me, I was telling a friend here the other day, I was in seminary and tr- up at three in the morning and translating the the. That from the original languages, to prepare for a test at 7.30 in the morning. And I was going dry spiritually. I'm working in the scriptures, but I'm, I'm spiritually I'm dying. I'm tired, but, but life is tired, isn't it? <laughs> That's not an excuse. What was my problem? My problem was I was busy in the Word, but I wasn't in the Word with God. And you know what changed it for me? It changed my life. A little checkbox that I wrote in pencil at the side of every verse of the Bible that I translated and told myself, I will not, I will not progress to the next verse until I have prayed over what I've learned from this verse. That's it. Just a little checkbox. Changed my life. Stop me from going down the spiritual slope into into dryness. And I saw some of my seminary friends get busy and they didn't get off the slope. And I, so I was thinking, what's wrong with my soul? Maybe this morning you're thinking, what's wrong with your soul? Maybe you're reading the Bible. Maybe you're having a quiet time, but you're not really drawing near. And maybe you need a checkbox in your life just to say, I will not, I must not go into this day until I've got my eyes fixed on things above. Until God has spoken to my soul. Okay, brothers, we must move on. That was the first R. You've got to think about the reality of the resurrection, okay? And the second R is, is responsibility. And I'm saying you need to live up to the responsibilities of the resurrection. You need to live up to the responsibilities of the resurrection And there are three responsibilities that I find here in this text. Um, Let me outline them for you. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Okay, this is going to be simple, isn't it? Be steadfast, the first responsibility. It means to be seated, literally to stay seated despite everything. Life can be a slippery pole, can't it? Have you, do you have in your fairs, when I was a, a child and we would go to the fair, there was a slippery pole. Do you still have that in America? Did you, did you, did you have that in, in America ever? A slippery, one person has been on a slippery pole. You'd sit on a, a pole Um. Horizontal, like a, a beam, and, but it was slippery. It was either uh, covered in plastic or something, but then they put something on it to make it slippery and you had to sit on it and then you got a stick in your hand with a big like, rubber bit on the end and you had to fight someone. It's great fun. You know? I loved it, but I always went down. <laughs> it's just You come off balance, down you go. Life can be like that, can't it? Um, like those Do you have the Ninja Warrior TV shows? Okay, life can be like that. I mean just you just oh, you're off suddenly, um, off balance and, and you're down and you're out that That can be life. The picture here is obviously from the ancient world is you're on a horse and it's, a, it's, a, it's war, and you're riding into battle. And What's, what's your kind of number one concern? <laughs> Stay seated. Just don't let, Lord, Lord, don't let me get knocked out of this saddle, because if I'm off the horse, I'm dead, right? I'm dead. Well, um, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Why? Because th- there are forces at work trying to knock you off your horse trying to knock you off the, off your seat. The world, the flesh, the devil is trying to unseat you, and Paul is saying, Brothers, stay in your seat. S- stay there. Do not let life knock you off. Now, it's an adjective. It means it's, it should be a description of you, but with the adjective is a command. The command is, Gnesthe, become seated. You you must, this must be true of you. You are seated. Now, um, can I speak to you again, pastorally, just to say, if if I were, I don't know you, but if I were to ask, let's say, who's in your life? Who, Who do you have? Who's watching your life? Who do you have who knows you? If, you? if I were to get with them and ask them, is this guy stable? Let's say your pastor was looking at you for some ministry. Is this guy stable? Is he seated? Is he, is he just like, that's, that's a descriptor of this man. It should be, shouldn't it? That's what Paul is saying but it's connected with the resurrection. In the light of the resurrection, because of the coming body that you're going to get, because of the future which is ahead, stay in your seat. You have to have your eyes on the resurrection to stay in your seat. A little bit like when I was learning to reverse the car, my driving instructor said, don't, don't, uh, look at the side, don't look at the side of the roads. Fix your eyes on a point in the distance and just steer towards that. I'm learning to ride a motorcycle and you go around a bend. You, you, don't, you don't look at the road. You, you, you look at where you want to go and you just drive there. We, we want to go to heaven. If you don't fix your eyes on heaven, you'll be all over the place. So, are you fixing your eyes on heaven? Are you staying in your seat? Are the things of this world leading you astray, drive, knocking you off your balance? That's a good question. Second responsibility. Se- first responsibility, um, be seated. So, stay stay in your seat. Second responsibility, be immovable. It's very much like it, isn't it? Uh, the, the word picture is different, though, in um, Greek, um kinesis is movement, kineo, to move, kinetics. Maybe you, you have, we have that in English, don't we? Metakineo is to shift or remove, but this word is ametokinesis. Is, it's without shifting, without being moved. This is like immovable it doesn't budge. Are you are you immovable? Someone comes to you and gives you a shove. Or the devil puts something in front of you to 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 lure you away. Um or, or the whole or there's just pressure today at work. You you have some pressure from your from your environment, saying compromise, compromise. Are you like Martin Luther? Here I stand. I can do no other, so help me God. Immovable. Is that what you're known for? The point is persecution will come. Public opinion will come. And it will be saying move, move. Just move on this issue and you you can stay in your job. You don't need to stay in your job. You need to stay in your place. Your family can pile on the pressure, can't they? You may have neighbors like obstinate and pliable from Pilgrim's Progress who just will be pressuring you, turn back from the path. But you're like, no, I'm on this path. This path is the one I'm on. You you must be steadfast, immovable, Immovable. Now, the third responsibility, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, here we go, you're going to work, aren't you? <laughs> and this is just the ordinary word for work, but it says of the Lord. And you say, but I, I don't do the Lord's work, I just go to my job. And, 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 and Well, hold on a minute. There are souls to be one, aren't there? Do, do you work on your own in a field? There are prayers to be made uh, for souls to be one. You have neighbors. You have family members, perhaps. You, you have brothers and sisters in, in the church to be built up, to be encouraged. There's work to do, isn't there? It, it, there's work for you to do today for the Lord. You have gifts that God has given you to serve Him with. He hasn't given you gifts to, to, to just, for your sake, the gifts that he gives, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, are for the common good. You have a spiritual gift. If you're a brother a brother in Christ, you have a spiritual gift which is for the body. So there's work for you to do with your gift from God for the sake of the body. Now the question is, are you looking at your life today and saying, okay, I want I have work to do today for God? Or is, is, is today... Just Tuesday. This is like, this is my, this is my job day. Sunday is when I serve the Lord. Or is that, is that what it's like? If this is true, what it says in the Bible, you are on mission. You you're you you have been commissioned by God to make disciples. You, you've been given a job by God to carry out one another commands, right? It's not, these are not optionals. There are commands for you to, to, to fulfill towards one another. So today you have work to do for God. What is it? What, what would God have you do? I'd like to sign sign you up. I'd like to pass around a clipboard. Do you pass around clipboards still in this church? Uh, There must be an electronic version of that. I'd like to pass around a clipboard that says, um, I sign up for permanent missionary work. And you could put your name and tick the box. Check the box. That's what you say over here, isn't it? Check the box. I don't have to though, because you're already signed up, aren't you? You signed you signed your name when you said, "Jesus Christ is Lord." That was your signature. You said, "I want to follow Jesus." That was your signature on the page, where where the, the it wasn't even small print. It was there. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm on mission. Jesus said, whoever does not gather with me, what? Scatters. Are you gathering? Are you on mission? Is your workplace a mission field? Do you have work for God to do? Are your neighbors at your mission field? You are the light of the world, said Jesus. Are you shining today? Is that you? Do you realize that that's your job? You go, I have to shine the light. Um, so I, 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 I don't know how, I, I mean I'm just like, you know, Steve, I met Steve earlier uh, and Steve's work was in a, a construction plant for Honda, making Honda vehicles, the Honda Accord, right? How many of you drive Steve's cars? Um, I mean, how do, you, how do you do that? I remember a guy in our church his job was in a factory, um, this is years ago, making plugs for sockets. What do you call those over here? Outlets, not sockets, right? You call them plugs that you put in? We have fuses in our plugs, so it was a, it was a complicated process. You know, you we're assembling like more than one plastic part there. But that was his job every day, working on a machine, just assembling plugs. It's so noisy, he couldn't talk to anybody just because it's a factory, it's noisy. He would clock in, he would work his shift, he would clock out. How do you do that for the Lord? How do you say, I'm, going, I'm working for God? Well, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? I mean, can you make plastic plugs for the glory of God? Yes, you can. And it's all to do with what happens in here, isn't it? It's your, it's your ambition. You can go make money. You can you can work the stock exchange for the glory of God. Or you can be doing it for your sake, for your glory. Are you, but who are you working for today? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Paul would say, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always is really... Really, a big word, isn't it? Always, at all times, literally abounding. Abounding is is over abundantly. The idea is too much, too much. When I look at churches, um, again, I don't know you, and your pastor hasn't been complaining to me about you. So, if this stings, this is from God, not from him, not from me. Um, but I know churches. I guess you're here at six o'clock in the morning for a men's meeting. So you're probably a different group of men. But maybe there are some in this room. And your wife works really hard for the Lord. And you just show up. Because you've got your work. that you do. But your wife's all in. That's really painful as a pastor. To watch men like that. And, and, and they said, well, but, you know, I do, I work. I work. My wife doesn't work. <laughs> All right, maybe you need to talk to your wife. <laughs> maybe you need to sit in her shoes for a few days. But um, there are men like that. I hope it's not you, brother. If it is... um you know, when, 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 when we've done our, our work, what is it that stops you working for the Lord if you're just making plastic plugs? You've got time outside of work. What stops you? You say it's too much. Well, the idea here is abounding, and the idea in that word is, is kind of like too much. It's, it's, it's like overly much. What stops you? Uh, John MacArthur, I think he nails it. He says, leisure and relaxation are two great modern idols to which many Christians seem willing to bow down. Uh, When I asked our church, we we have like a midweek meeting, but it's for discussion about the sermon. Uh, A long time ago, I preached this back in 1917. 1917. Back in, I wasn't alive. back in 2017, um, I preached this in our church and uh, then again in 2021, I figured they needed it. <laughs> After COVID, we needed a bit of a slap to get us out of lockdown mode, so I preached this sermon again and it was very interesting just to hear the discussion about this, this that quote from MacArthur seemed to do more than my whole sermon. It's like, yeah, leisure, leisure and relaxation are two great modern idols. So many people in the 21st century have made leisure and relaxation the fun stuff that we do. That's like, that's the non-negotiable. That's the me time. That's the, that's what I, what do you do? What's, what's, your, what's your life? Well, I work and then I've got, I, I do this. What what is the this that you do outside? Is it is that working for the Lord? If other people were watching you, oh yeah, Johnny, yeah. Johnny, the basketball player, yeah he yeah, yeah he's a, he, he, they're in your work right, but they know you, as the person who plays basketball outside of work. So listen, when you get to face the Lord, and you and you have to give an account for your life, how pleased are you going to be about all that basketball? Could you play basketball for the Lord? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But how pleased are you going to be? Are there neighbors you could have visited? Are there brothers in, in the church you could have ministered to with your spiritual gift? Maybe you don't even know what your spiritual gift is. But are there people that you could have served are there, is there work that you could have done, but in spe- instead you spent how many hours playing basketball? And I'm not saying basketball's wrong. I'm not saying what you, do, what you like to do is wrong, but, but you're supposed to be abounding in the work of the Lord, right? This isn't written to super-Christians. This is written to a church. This is Paul just saying to ordinary people, Come on, my beloved brothers. This is what's required. Well, that's the third of those responsibilities. Um, Be steadfast, seated, immovable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Three responsibilities. Um, Lastly, so that was the second point. The second point was the responsibilities. The first was the reality. Now the third point in closing briefly the reward, the reward. Three things to consider here to fix our minds on the reality of the resurrection, the responsibilities connected with the resurrection, the re- connected with the re- reality of the resurrection, and now the reward at the resurrection. I want you to Consider the reward at the resurrection. And this is, I'm getting this from the last phrase, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain, not in vain. In other words, it's not pointless, brothers. You go and work for the Lord and there's going to be a reward. That's what he's saying, it's not empty, it's productive. There's a result. The result is that one day at the resurrection, in the resurrection, you will be rewarded for your labor. Now, it has to be work. Um, in the Lord, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. You, 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 you do need to be saved. You do need to be someone who is working um, in the Lord. There are going to be people who said, say to the Lord, 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 didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do that for you? Now there's a danger. I'm telling you about working for God. Maybe there's someone in the room and you're thinking, yeah, oh, I'm going to work for God and then he's going to be pleased for me. And now Tom's talking about reward. Good, I'm going I'm to recommit myself to God. I'm going I'm to be super, super worker. And then on that day, God will say to me, oh, good, you're, you're, you're a good boy. Come in to my kingdom. Um, oh, hold on a minute. It's not by works, is it? Salvation is not by works. It's by what? Speak to me. Grace. Grace, right? What is grace? Undeserved mercy. Undeserved mercy. This is salvation given as a gift, not earned. I'm not talking to you about working to earn your salvation. I'm not talking about that. There are going to be lots of people who say, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You have to be in the Lord. You have to repent of your sins. You have to... Believe in Jesus dying on the cross for sinners and not believe in your own works as achieving righteousness for you. You have to, you have to give that up. It's a bad job. You've got too many sins. You can never, out, you can never have your good works outweigh your, your sins because your sins always are there. You cannot cleanse away your sins by trying to do good work. You need the blood of Jesus to take away your sins. And you need the righteousness of Christ because your good works are like filthy rags. (laughs) They're still stained with sin. They're still corrupted. So that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is is there is a reward. (laughs) And we can forget that, right, men? We can just be men who get their heads down and be like, oh, I'm working. I'm working. I'm working for God. Yeah, but but are you working for the in the light of the reward, we need to consider the reward. Jesus spoke about it. Um, Paul spoke about it. right at the end of the Bible, Jesus said, "Behold, I am coming soon and bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for, what he has done. We all, says Paul, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. There's going to be a reward. He said, But how, how can there be a reward? Um, how does that work? What, if I don't work for God, do I get punished? Is it purgatory? No. But the, the words used in, in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4 um, indicate that if you fail to do what you could do, you don't get the, the, the wages that you could have done, you could have got. You, the, the words used are like the words for docking a, a laborer his, his wages for that day. The scary thing in 1 Corinthians 4 is, the, is the, the thing which God will use to evaluate your labor is the attitude of your heart. Did you do it for him? Did you, did you work for him out of love for him? Um, if you don't, you're docked that day's wages. Imagine if you were going to go to work today and you do your work today. You actually do your work. But at the end of the day, there's a, a screen as you exit the building or your place of work. And it's like a scanner. And it, 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 you've, you've, you've been evaluated for your heart attitude in your work today. And if your heart attitude was not for God you would not get your wages for today. Right? That's the reality. But it's, you don't see the scanner. The scanner is 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. The scanner is is there. God is watching. And he's saying, are you you working for me? Um, are Are you working for yourself? If you... You're going to go to heaven if you're saved. Heaven is guaranteed. But there are rewards that last throughout eternity for every last little bit of labor. Jesus said, a cup of water, a cup of water that you give, you will not lose your reward if you're doing it for him, for for one of these little ones. You will not lose your reward. Again and again, the New Testament holds out, out, out to you the hope of the reward at the resurrection. Now, the question is, are you going to work for him? Are you going to work in the light of that? If, you, if there was that scanner, and you walk past it on the way into work today, and you, walk, and you know you're going to walk past it on the way out of work today, would it change your attitude to how you work today? So I'm saying it's there. I'm saying, brothers, uh, you need to you need to work today in the light of the reward. So we're done. Um, three hours of the resurrection mode. First of all, think about the reality the reality of the resurrection. Therefore, my brothers, you've got to pull your mind from all the daily stuff and think about the reality of the resurrection. Secondly, the responsibility. You have to live up to the responsibilities of the resurrection, all three of them. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Thirdly, and finally, the reward. You need to take time to consider the reward at the resurrection, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Father, I pray that you would use these words today for all of us Oh God, change our hearts and our minds by the power of your word. Fix our eyes on things above. Enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit, out of love for you, out of gratitude to you, to labor for you today. In all that we do, doing it for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.